Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And on the road edition of the Intentional Encourager podcast, as you can see by the background. But I wanted to make time for this rock star of a man. You can follow him on LinkedIn as I do, Darren McKee, D-A-R-R-E-N-M-C-K-E-E. But you can find him right here, right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Darren, what's good? How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for the opportunity to speak to you and, and for you carving the time out on the road being in West Virginia. I appreciate it. Well, we had a couple of internet challenges and I had to pay somebody to give me a good solid connection. That's kind of an inside joke here in West Virginia because the internet is not that, it's not our friend here. It's not that stable, but man, I appreciate the time today. Darren, I want to go here with you to start our conversation Everybody has had a different experience the last 18 months about around all the things we've we've faced. But I want to ask you this to start. Take me through the biggest lesson that you've learned from the last 18 months that is going to impact your business and your life moving forward. Because a lot of people have started companies, they've done different things, they have their businesses have taken off like a rocket. What have you learned that you're going to incorporate? going forward from from the last 18 months or so yeah i mean that's a great question i think so much but one thing that comes to mind is just the importance of of those that are that are around us um and there's a couple different ways i think about that those around us as in the people that live across the street from me or beside me um really just pouring encouragement into our lives day in and day out because what we've gone through the last two years has been super challenging, whether it be work-related, life-related, um, whatever that may be, but also the, the community and friends that we have in our in our social community. I've, I've leaned really, really heavily on um, some key, key people that I've connected with here on LinkedIn over the last 18 months, two years, two and a half years, where um, they were just names prior to what we've experienced. And now they're friends, they're people that I'm going to visit in, in New York City in a couple of weeks to meet some of those guys and gals that have encouraged this year. So I think I've just leaned and um, learned a lot about community. And, and, and oftentimes we only focus about like what's right around us in our town. Um, but what I've realized is that there's a global, there is a global community that we can tap into. Yes. And uh, I've been able to see, see that this year. You know, it's funny you mentioned the, the power of connection and things like that. And, and I, like you, have connected to a lot of people on LinkedIn. I have yet to meet, but, man, there just seems to be that bond and that coming together. When you think about that, what was a secret key for you to really deepen and strengthen those connections? Because a lot of people will just hit the, 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 the connect or sometimes people will send a personalized invite. I know that works great with me I like I like it when someone takes the time to personally send an invite but for you what was that secret sauce for you to really strengthen and move those connections to the next level that's a great another great question I, I mean I like to think about it like this right like I, I moved into the street behind me about I don't know five months ago or so I'm not going to walk up to someone's door and knock on it and say hey do you want to be my friend 
Um, I'm going to, I'm going to wave at them. I'm going to say hello. I'm going to pick up things that happen to get from my yard to their yard, like kids toys, which happens to happen. Um, and, and we're just going to live life alongside of each other for a little bit. And then I'm going to mosey my way into building that relationship and friendship. And so when I think about LinkedIn and I think about like just clicking the connect button while yes, like I'm guilty. I do that at times. Um, but, but what I really try to do is engage with those individuals, engage with their content, see what they're interested in and then build relevancy around like why I'm actually having a conversation and want to build relationships with these people. So, um, I'm not perfect, uh, but, but I do try to try to do a pretty good job on it. Well, and Darren, here's the thing. I, I think a lot of us have a lot that we could work on and be better in, in being a deeper, more powerful connector. But, you know, here, here's where I love what you do and what you've done is that you have tried to feature others when you have in a lot of the things that you've done. You said, hey, let me tell you about the this person that I've met or let me tell you about this person that I know or let me tell you – for you, where did that come from for you? Because a lot of people have difficulty with that, right? Especially in our in our look at me culture with Instagram and TikTok and you know, everybody wants to be an influencer, right? And and it's it, it's kind of in that mode. For you, where did that that kind of deflecting selflessness come from for you on LinkedIn? Yeah, another another good one. I think that um I think I had people that did that for me early on. Um, yeah, I skipped the whole college route. Um, so decided to move to Manhattan and figure out how to work life in the city and figured nobody would ask me about my education again, which was, was fortunate that that's what happened. But I, but I had people reach out and give things to me. I had people reach out and say, hey, we've noticed this and, and if we want to move you into this role or we want to move your family to Atlanta, whatever it may be. And so, I mean, it's kind of my responsibility to pass that down to, you know, I think of a guy that named Will Alred that, that feeds lavender. And I'm like, okay, this is a really great solution. I've been using it for two weeks. I think everybody should know about this. And I've got, I don't know, 13,000 people that follow me on LinkedIn. I want to let them all know. Um, because wh what happens there is that not only Will is impacted, all of the customers that they support are impacted and everybody in his family or his coworkers family are impacted because more things are coming that way. And um, it, it's funny how that started was I ran out of content. <laughs> I didn't know what to post anymore. And any day that I was like, I don't know what to share. I was like, well, I'll just share about somebody else because yeah. they won't care. Um, and uh, so I, I typically do that once a week now. Well, and, and again, it, it goes to, you know, it's the old kind of the old biblical concept, right? Give and it comes back to you, you know, and, and people, when people see that someone is a giver by nature, then they want to be around that person because, you know, good things tend to happen to people that give and things like that. And, you know, what I see and what I believe is, is that LinkedIn will become a place where people are going to make deeper, more stronger, powerful connections than they would otherwise make one-on-one. -on -one. And that's not been the way we've been wired, Darren. It's, it's, it's been the opposite of, well, you can only make a deeper, stronger connection with somebody face-to-face. -face. Well, we can't get to be face-to-face. -face. It's hard for you to yeah. jump on a plane and fly halfway across the world to see somebody. How do you believe that business will change in the next five years. You're very involved in companies and, and startups and things like that. So you're the perfect person to ask this. How do you think business will change with people connecting 
like we're seeing folks start to connect in the next three to five years. That's a loaded, a loaded question and probably one. I've been trying to bring, I'm trying to bring the, I'm trying to bring the thunder, my man. I mean, you're worth bringing the thunder for. You know, I think, I think what we're going to just see is that, um, people have to be more agile and more adaptable to whatever we're going through. I mean, I was talking to somebody this morning about so my two kids are running around here right now because they both had runny noses, can't go to school. We had to adapt. They had to adapt. I'm like, man, these kids, these kids are going to be resilient and they're going to be forces to be reckoned with when they get older. And then the person I was talking to said, so are we. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I think that like, it's hard to say what, what business is going to look like in three to five years. Like, Lord, I hope that I can fly to see someone in Philadelphia. I hope that I can fly for a closing meeting. But the reality is, is sometimes that's not needed. And I think we've seen that over the last two years where we're able to close deals. We're able to build relationships virtually. Um, it makes me think of a story, Brian, where uh, I'm, I, I wrote a little snippet in a book for a guy named Scott McGregor recently. And it, my, my wife was like, who is this guy? And I was like, well, he's been my friend for like five years on LinkedIn. And then I was like, and we're flying up there in a couple of weeks to go meet him for the book launch, just a heads up. And it's like, these are relationships that like you, you, you've slowly built, but they become really great friends. Um, so I think just adaptability and agility are the only two things that I'm going to lean on to say, like what six months is going to look different from the next six months. If I've known the last three years to be any, yeah. any data. Let's park on that for just a minute because Scott is so good. And Scott did just as a tease, Scott will be on the Intentional Encourager podcast following Darren's episode. So that we've, I, I'm really excited about that as we record this today with Darren, I'm recording tomorrow with Scott. And Scott has a phrase that really resonates with me because I wrote a book last year called People Buy From People. Something my dad taught me 26 years ago, dropped that, that nugget of wisdom on me 26 years ago. Scott has a, has a saying, people over everything. So I want to unpack that for a minute and just extrapolate a, about that a little bit deeper. What have you learned from Scott that has helped you become a better people person? Because it is not easy to be a great people person. And Scott has figured out kind of the secret sauce behind it. Yeah. So I'll go even, I'll go even back a little bit further here and um, a lot of times when we're, when we're on LinkedIn or we're on social, we see a lot of, we see a lot of crap. We see a lot of people bashing people for poor outreach or not knowing what they're doing or SDR is doing things that they're not doing. Um, about, I don't know what the date, man, five, six years ago, I was in a pretty weird spot in my career, um, working for a small staffing firm, uh, here in Durham. Um, I knew I wanted to get out. I didn't really have anybody to call and I, I was following this guy named Scott and I was like hey man can I call you um, I picked up the phone I called his cell phone he answered he said I'll call you right back he called me right back um, and ever since then I was just like you know I gotta I have to be that person right when if somebody calls me and they say hey Darren I need some help all right five, I got five minutes right I don't need to give them an hour I don't need to carve out my entire day for someone but just being there to listen to and the funny thing is is like if I built out a, a family tree of the people that I've met just because of Scott answering that phone call, it's probably 5,000 people deep, at least in some very, some very close, close friends and some that are coming to visit in a couple weeks. 
So I think that's what I've learned from him. And you've got a great place to come and visit too. I mean, man, where, where you live is one of my yeah. favorite places and, and uh, it's awesome. I, I, I love that area. Let's step aside, take a break. Um, when we come back, I want to dive into a little bit deeper with Darren and his business acumen. His content on business is some of the most spot on content that you're going to find. So if you're a business owner, maybe a small business owner, startup, you know, if, if you're thinking to yourself, hey, I want to start a company, something like that. I want to dive in. I want to tap into a little bit of Darren's expertise and try to give you some things that will encourage you on the business front. And then a little bit later, we'll tell his story. My guest, Darren McKee, joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast back in just a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Darren, let's start, you know, we were talking before the break and we'll pick back up with what we were talking about. Business is not normal right now. It's, it's, it's just not normal. There's a lot of fear in business. What's going to happen? What, you know, we've had to change the way we've done things and how we've had to pivot. A lot of companies, you know, I look at the restaurant business. I don't mean to, to ask a long-winded question, but so many restaurants had to refine their takeout abilities because that's all the business that they could do. And so when you look at business now, um, Take me through, through some of the things, if you can, and you, and you want to. How are some of the ways that you had to pivot in your business to respond to the changes that were happening around you? Hmm. So when all of this started, I was back at a firm called Insperity, um, who I deeply love and adore a lot of those people. Um, amazing org. Still talk to Larry and the team all the time. Um but I was selling to small businesses back then. And um, I would just walk up to an HVAC owner's door, a plumbing company's door, a startup's door and say, hey, this is what we do. And I, I think you should do it. And I'd build that relationship. Um, and then I, at the drop of a hat, you weren't allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I, I had to improvise. And that's when I really dove into personal brand. And I was like, okay, none of my colleagues, none of my competitors in this space are building a personal brand. So no one's going to know who they are unless they email. And, you know, email is great. It's changed the world for the better, but it's not my cup of tea. 
Um, I would rather let, rather uh, lean on on relationships and, and and my brand or people stumbling upon me and then seeing that I work for someone. Um, and so I, I started that. And I think I'm like I don't know 550 days in a row now of, of creating content. Um, and then I was fortunate, Ryan, really really fortunate to land a role with an organization called Better Up, which is um, who I work for now, who you see a lot of content on, and we're you know, we're one of those organizations where like we, we've worked really hard through through this season, but we've also done really well in this season because we're starting to see a shift. I, I read about great resignation and I read about the war for talent, but but really what I'm thinking, what I think is happening is just people being woke, right? people just waking up to realize that like that is not. The, the way we used to do things is not what we want to be doing now. And so while we're calling it the great resignation, I think it's just people chasing what they want. Um, and here at, at BetterUp, we're able to provide coaching at scale and leadership development for firms of all shapes and sizes around the globe. And we're starting to see leaders really invest in their people, which is a, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And um, at the end of the day, retention is important. And um, when you're pouring into people and they have a path, uh, good things happen. And so we've been, we've been grateful. Man, I love what you said there. And I was writing some notes down as you were talking, Darren, about being woke in the midst of the great resignation, because that's been a buzzword, right? In, in, in the last three or four months is, is people are taking control of what they want to do and how they want to do it. And I love what you said too, about personal branding. Um, couple of things I want to unpack there. Yeah. When people think about personal branding, what's one thing that you've discovered that a lot of people miss about personal branding? Because you can hit all the notes here and you can say, well, you can, you know, up your social game, get a different profile picture. There's all these little tips and tricks and things like that. But in your experience, what's the one thing people still miss around their personal brand that, that if, if they can correct it, they get it to that maybe that 1% better. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just consistency, just like anything else, right? Like, if you don't, I mean, I hate to say this, and it's such a buzzword, but like, the LinkedIn algorithm is a real thing. And so like, but nothing can beat consistency. Nothing can beat you showing up here every day and sharing content. What I do have to realize, though, and I do have to be cautious of and understanding is that like, I am, everybody is not like me. Everybody doesn't feel comfortable sharing their personal details on a platform with 55 million people, right? Yeah. Um, and so whatever that is that you're doing, is it sharing work content? If it is, make it yours, make it your own. Um, if it's about you, make it your story. Um, because the last thing somebody wants to see is a bunch of the same created content from the same company all day long. Um, so at least just make it, make it, make it personal. Well, and, and I love what you said there about the consistency and the power of consistency. And, I, and full disclosure, I don't feel like producing content every day. I don't wake up going, man, I really want to throw some content out here today because a lot of times you're just not feeling the inspiration. You're not feeling that. But man, to do that 550 days in a row, that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah. And, it, and it's the, you know, it, it kind of goes back to Darren, the 10,000 hour rule. If you want to be great at something, you know, and I was, as we record this, I was watching the Ryder Cup over the weekend. Yeah. And, it, and, and these guys hit, these professional golfers hit hundreds, if not thousands of golf balls every day. 
And yet when they step onto the tee to, 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 for that first to open a round or something like that, they really don't have any idea where they're going to hit that tee shot. And they've driven, they, I mean, they've played since they were little kids. They've hit probably into the millions of tee shots over the course of their lifetime. And every tee shot, they still have no idea where it's going. When you think about content in that respect, when you post a piece of content, do you have any idea where it's going or who it's going to hit? Sometimes. I'm a big golfer, so I was I was deep into the Ryder Cup this week, and uh, we could talk about that a little bit because I, I learned some things about. Well, we'll about go there. Work. Yeah, go there for a minute. That's great. Go there for a second. You know, it, it, it's interesting because I golf is a is a one person. You're you're against yourself. You're playing against the course. You're playing against par, right? But but seeing seeing what we saw this weekend of, of camaraderie and 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 teamwork, but also the the ages of the UF's team versus the ages of, 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 uh, of their competition was, was, was something that was staggering to me because you had, you had leaders investing into people. You had people coming up that were young and, and, and crushing a John Rahm, like things that you, you don't normally see in golf. But um, the big thing was just like seeing Brooks and seeing Bryson hug at the end. It's, this is all, it's all competition. It's all a game and we're all just in it together. And at the end of the day, like, what you see is not really what's happening. And so I just leaned, I learned a lot about teamwork with those guys this week, this weekend watching, um, I was just watching them beat down. Right. But also have so much, so much respect for, for Sergio and the team on the other side. Um, what was just absolutely huge, but sorry to go on a tangent, but to answer. Oh, your- let me jump in there because you're, you're really, yeah. you're really drilling down on something. I think that that is so good. It is, when, when golfers compete normally, they're competing, as you said, they're competing against 80 to 100 other golfers, and it's their play that matters, and it's their their round that what they're focused on. In this competition, I was watching it on, on Saturday when they were playing four ball, and if, you know, if a guy hit a huge drive, his teammate might have not hit a bigger drive, but but the teammate might've put the approach into within three feet and in four ball competition, man, it's, it's, it's the best score. So if you hit a great drive and your teammate chips it to within three feet and you make the, or, you know, you make the putter, he makes the putt or match play where you're one-on-one against a guy and you know that the guy behind the guy ahead of you has just beaten your opponent, beaten the, the other team. It's man, it's there's nothing like that kind of competition. What do you think that most people let, let's go here for just a second? What makes people afraid of competition in business that you've seen in your life and in your business career? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think the easiest thing to think about is just tension comes comes with that at times. Um, as long as it's healthy, I'm totally fine with it, right? I'm in sales. I love a good scoreboard. I love seeing where I'm stacked ranked against my team. It's, it's what motivates me. Um, but what also motivates me is seeing someone leapfrog me to sell a big deal, and now they're ahead of me. 
right? That's motivating because I know that like we are, we are the only thing that we're doing is trying to get coaching into the hands of as many people globally as possible. That is the only goal for us. And so whether it's me or whether it's Noah or whether it's someone on my team, um, that's all that matters. And so I think once you get past that and you, you have the leadership trickle down effect of what good healthy competition looks like, then, then we're good. But if it's, if it's unhealthy, it's a disaster. Um, you you said so, it right there. Yeah. You and forgive me for interrupting, but you said it because a lot of times when salespeople are, are wired a certain way, it is, I am wired to, I want to be the top dog. I want to be the best in my company. I want to be that, that man or woman that is a president's club winner is constantly knocking it out of the ballpark. And I love what you said there about how uplifting leapfrogging is when somebody leapfrogs and they take that next step and now the whole team's better because of that i want to finish this part of the conversation with i want you to if you would to encourage that person that may be afraid of leapfrogging and and taking that next step how how do you encourage that person that says, man, Darren, I love what you're saying. You're speaking to me. I want to be a great team player, but I'm ready to leapfrog to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes back to, it goes back to when, you, when you're doing that, I've been in those roles, right? Where I, where I came in at the bottom level and then I went another one and another one and another one and another one. And you look, you look to your right and you've leapfrogged, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 people. And you can do that. Go to the go to the top or almost to the top. Be successful and whatever that may be. Um, but if you ignore all nine or ten of those individuals on the way up, you, you're really never going to succeed, right? So what I'm trying to say here is, when you're doing that, and you, you leapfrog Joe or Tammy or Susan or whoever it may be encouraging on your way up but also encouraging them to do the same beside you or ahead of you or behind you whatever it may be um i mean it's just it's just communication is all it is it's like we 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 articulate our own goals and we go after them and i want my entire team around me to know what my goals are right because that's what good teamwork looks like and you're not going to make everyone happy and that's fine um but i mean that's that's kind of where i where I end up. Man, that is so good. And we could spend, listen, we could spend an hour or two breaking down the Ryder Cup because that that was so compelling because everybody, you know, let's finish. I want to finish on this thought. And, and, and I just, what you said about that just keeps resonating in my mind as we're talking. A lot of people would have said, man, the golf course is challenging. Man, there's wind coming from all over the place man, this European team is stacked. Um, I don't normally play match play. I, but, you know, th- you, you could put all these so-called excuses in the back of your mind, or you could just go out there and perform. And that's what we saw this past weekend, Darren, was we just saw guys that just said, hey, the Cup's coming back to the United States. All we got to do is just go out there and perform. And once they got going, man, and they built that lead. They just didn't take their foot off the gas. They just kept it going. So, mm-hmm. man, I love, I love that. And yeah. That is so powerful. Let's take a quick break. We come back. We will get into Darren's story. And uh, you're going to love this. This is so good. This conversation so good with Darren McKee joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast back in just a moment. 
Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector you've got to pick up a copy of people buy from people there are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector you can go to amazon and pick it up kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way or now available on audible and there's one other way you can get a copy of people buy from people you can get one from me and i'll sign it for you you go to intentional media and publishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Darren, let's get into your story. And Man, you go as far back as you want to go from point A to point B, however far back you want to go. Um, I want to know about your life, how, how, you, how you started, and, and again, from point A to, to where we are today. Yeah, good, good one. Um, it's another loaded one here. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm residing, is it? Residing in Chapel Hill, North Carolina now. Um, been here for for a while. Been in the Triangle. If you're not from this area, that's Raleigh Durham, Chapel Hill. I've uh, been here for about six years. Um, but going going way back. So I was was born in a small town called Martinsville, Virginia, just up the road. Um, if you're a NASCAR fan, you know what it is. If you're not, you have no clue what it is. Um, but my dad worked for a firm called Dupont. Um, everybody's familiar with Dupont. And probably uh, six or seven or so, we got moved down to South Texas. So dad took a job down in, down in South Texas, and um, that's where I called home for all the way till I was 19 or so. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed school, I, I, but, I, but I enjoyed it for the, the people and the camaraderie and, and the networking side of just being around people. Um, I didn't know if that's something that I wanted to extend. Um, I tried. I really did. Um, went to a couple different junior colleges and just finally just figured out, like, it wasn't wasn't for me um and um it, I, I didn't have the financials to pay for all of it um and so i actually ended up moving down to south carolina where my brother was going to school um and and met my wife at a at a really young age she's she's still here with me she's in the other room right over there with the two little ones running around and um i was flipping pizza at a restaurant called rotelli in conway south carolina um, I knew knew I had potential. I knew where I wanted to go. I just didn't really know how to get there. Um, but she she really encouraged us to take a jump. Um, we met at a at a Bible study and an organization called Campus Outreach uh, down at Coastal Carolina. Um, so that's the backstory there. Um, but what what happened next was was interesting. She's from the Northeast. She's from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and um, my uncle worked for a 
mailroom distribution facility management company. So think the movie Elf, where you're in the mailroom. That's literally what it's like. Um, maybe a little bit nicer and not so much dancing. Um, but we, he had an opportunity. He said, you know, you have an opportunity in Miami. You have an opportunity in New York City. It doesn't pay well, but I think if you if you come in and you work really hard, there's an opportunity for you to do something really great. So we moved to New York City, uh, lived in New Jersey, and um, commuted into the city every day, and then ended up in New Jersey at an organization called Ralph Lauren, where I was um, delivering their mail and making their copies every day, serving executives on a, on a daily basis. Um, I got to that point, and I didn't like what I was doing, but I was doing it well, and I it's like, I'm going to be the best mail delivery guy that these people have ever seen, best copier person that they've ever seen. Um, and then I got approached by senior leadership that said, hey, what are your thoughts on, on being a recruiter? They called it a talent acquisition, they called it a TAM, talent acquisition manager, which is interesting. Um, and I was like, I don't know how to spell recruiter, but it sounds great. And I think I could identify some people that would be really good at this. And um, they moved my family down to Atlanta, which is where headquarters was. And um Fast forward a couple of years, I now was um, leading a team of nine recruiters across the country and um, really making an impact in, in the talent world for that that organization. And that's where I fell in love with with talent and people. And I knew that I always wanted to be in that space. And so um, we'll pause there if you have any questions on that part, and then we'll go into where I'm at now. Well, the, the question that I have is, is that you and I are pretty similar in in that um, our families moved a lot. And, and the question that, and I know Martinsville, Virginia, really well. I used to cover a couple of accounts there. Yeah, well, yeah. You, uh, you either stay in Roanoke or Greensboro, you know, and, and I've stayed in Martinsville a few times. There actually is a good sushi restaurant there that I, that I found. But, um, but no, what struck me when you were talking, is that you are resilient in transition because you move as a kid. And I believe this, my wife, my wife grew up in the same place, lived in the same house most of her life. And when we moved the first time a year or so after we were married, man, she just, it was a bombshell for her. We moved quite a bit when I was a kid. So it was like, okay, it's another move. And I moved to where she was to be with her when you think about how your life and you 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 move to different spots what did you learn about the resiliency of transition yeah that's great it's a great question and it's funny but this is really funny and it's kind of coming full circle i um i was trying to go back and look at the first linkedin post i ever posted a while back and it's if, if, fyi it's really hard to find because you have to just keep scrolling and then you get tired and give up uh, <laughs> I, found, I found an article uh that i wrote so my wife and i have moved i think seven times in our nine years of marriage so if anybody's listening I, I do think there's an importance of early on in your career of not being geographically tied down um, because I think their opportunities are more, they're fast. You can go kind of chase things as you see. But, um, so that was the post that I wrote years ago, not being geographically tied down is one of the best things for your career as a new graduate. Um, funny that I'm talking to new grads. I didn't graduate, but you know, it was, it was good back then. Um, and, uh, but I think the biggest thing is that like people in New York city are different. 
people in New Jersey were different. People in Atlanta were different. People in Charleston were different. People in Charlotte were different. People here were different. So I, I had the ability to really like culturally understand the differences of people and grow in a, in a diversity, inclusion, and belonging mind, right? Like where I walked into Sunnyside, Queens, and like there was like 19 different demographics within the corner that I was standing. I'd never witnessed that in Martinsville, Virginia. Um, so it grew me as a man. It grew my wife. She had already had it, but it was just instilling that in our children um, yeah. to where when we moved here, we were like, Durham is where we want to raise these kids at the beginning because like that, I want them entrenched in culture. Um, and that's why we love this area so much. So that's what I've learned the most, but also just like the connections. I have connections from all of those places now, right? Yeah. That I never would have had if I never would have left Texas. Is it ironic to you that you, you mentioned you never went to college? Is it ironic to you that you have the last few moves that you've made and where you are now? You're in college towns. I, I mean, it, 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 because I, I, I see that. And, and let me ask you this. What did you not miss by not going to college? Because my dad didn't go to college. And he would, he would always tell me, you're going to college. You're going to go to school. I don't care what you think. You're going to go to college. Because he, he felt like for his, in his life, he missed out on some opportunities. I don't hear that in your voice. What I hear in your voice is I feel like I benefited from not going to college because I learned some other skills that have served me better. What do you think you gained by not going to college? Yeah. So I did, I do, I did end up having a two year associate's degree. So we do have that. Um, <laughs> hey, all right, man. But, uh, there you what, go. What, what I will say is that like, if you have, so if anybody's listening, that's getting into college or in college thinking about not, if you have a family willing to push you through college and pay for that and set you up for success, 100% go. Gary Vaynerchuk says that a lot, right? Like if you have somebody paying your way to go get the experiences and go to college, go. Um, if you're thinking you don't really know if this is what you want to do and you want to just go work and you're going to have to pay $120,000 for yourself, go work. Um, so for me, like, trust me, like if I could do it all over again, that probably would go. Yeah. Um, but I, but I didn't. Um, and so what I had to do was just rely on straight grit and yeah. like, and networking. Um, I didn't have a piece of paper. Like when I went in and showed my resume, uh, at, at, at disparity, I had like two places. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, Hey, here's, here's me. And this is what you get. I'm going to work really hard. And I promise that I'll be great here. Um, but you know, that's all I had. And so, um, where we are well mark cuban talks about that i've noticed on shark tank when when a young person comes to their to the shark tank looking for a deal and cuban's interested he says i'll do a deal with you as long as you as you agree that you're going to go to college and you would think okay well well cuban's a multi-billionaire you know you would think he would want the hustle and grind and things like that but what he values more is somebody that says and, and i've heard him say it is that you're going to pick up some things in college that are going to help you in business that are going to make you better. And you're going to learn a lot of things I did. And Cuban has his degree from Indiana. I just thought that was interesting what you said, because it reminded me of, of hearing a lot of times and watching Shark Tank that Cuban makes, I mean, if you're to do a deal with Cuban and you're, and you're 15, 
to 18 years old, you're not going to do a deal with him unless you go to school. I mean, he's just going to be, he's going to be adamant about that. Hey, Darren, let me ask you this. I've got a couple more questions. You've been great with your time. Take me through the biggest obstacle that you faced in your life and, and the, the biggest lesson that you took from it. I mean, I think it's just looking around you and comparing yourself to others um, is, is, is something that's really difficult and something that's really prominent on LinkedIn. I mean, I shared a post this morning that like the first five posts I saw today were I raised a million dollars. I have this great life. I just got promoted and then somewhat something else, right? Like some marketing thing. And I was like, this is all great, but like none of this is really real, right? Like let's let's be real with one another. Um, you know, but I think about a big, a big obstacle and I think about like, I, I, I'm actually, I'm gonna talk about my, my wife and what she had to jump over because like me moving seven times and what she had to give up when she's actually the smartest person in the house here um, to get to the point where we were um, and to raise these two little munchkins, um, it, it, it's tr- truly remarkable. Um, but there's been there's been so many obstacles, Brian. I mean, I, I joined a startup. I took a, a $35,000 pay cut to join a startup five years ago that epically failed and like I had to fall on that sword. You know, um, and and that's okay. It's part of my story. It's part of our story. Um, there's a guy on our team that says your career is just a it's just a bunch of being lost and found. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and it, it truly is. And I'm and I'm found where I am today, and uh, and I'm truly loving it. Well, and and you know, Darren, that's the thing is, and and that's why I wanted to ask you that question because I don't know a person in their life that hasn't experienced some kind of failure or some kind of moment where they say, man alive, this did not turn out like I wanted it to, or life brought them some obstacle. And just wait, if you're listening to, to, to us talk and you haven't had that earth-shattering obstacle yet, just wait, it's coming. I don't want to discourage you at all, but it will build you and mold you into the person that you are. So, Darren, building off of that, the last question I want to ask you is share with this audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Yeah, I mean, I think just be be real um, with all of those people that are around you. I think being intentional with the people around you. Um, I'll share a quick story. Um, we moved into our last neighborhood. We were there for about six years. And when we moved into that neighborhood, um, no one talked like 17 houses they're just like hey that's about it um and when we moved in my wife alongside of, of me we're like we this can't happen this is this community needs to be stronger together and um we started bringing out beer and snacks and when you bring out beer and snacks people people come to your yard um and so what what we even if they don't drink they just get the snacks and just say hey i'll take a water and, and be on my way you know yeah and, and what we have now is out of that street, three of our closest family friends. So I, I think looking around you and really doing the work to build those relationships is the, the probably the most encouragement I could give you today because you don't know what's around you. No, I love that. And, and you know, I, I'm just jotting the, a note down here. You took a, an, or, an, an orthodox approach to bring folks together and and that just shows to the testimony of what you feel and how you value people so man i 
I mean, I'm grateful to you that we've carved out the time to do this. Tell folks how they can connect with you, get more of your content and things like that. Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn's the best way, um, the easiest way to get to me. Um, you'll see a lot of stuff on just, just my life. You'll see a lot of stuff on BetterUp, which is which is who I support and who I work for. Um, and then just some, some business insights and failures that I've shared too. Um, but yeah, happy to connect with anybody. And Brian, this was great. Thank you so much. I Man, I appreciate it. Find him on LinkedIn at Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N. Spelling sometimes is hard when you're trying to do a podcast. D-A-R-R-E-N, McKee, M-C-K-E-E. Darren McKee, man, this has been great. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager Podcast. Thank you, man. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.